I've worked with a lot of groups where we do women in leadership and women empowerment. And I found that what we liked was we didn't have any men involved in the process. And then I thought, okay, we're we're preaching to the wrong crowd because we all understand how it is. We need men to better understand us. Kia I'm Troy, here as CEO, and welcome to Stirring the Pot. Thanks for connecting. If you're new, here's what you can expect. We're going to be talking the tough stuff, the things that keep us metalheads up at night. There are many challenges facing our industry and equally many opinions on how we should tackle them. Stirring the Pot provides a facilitated forum to discuss and challenge these viewpoints. So let's get to the nuts and bolts of it. Today our conversation is with Renita Reddy, who is the director at Reddy Diamond Group in Fiji and a passionate supporter of ethical leadership. Let's start with some context. Can you tell us about the role forming market in Fiji and how many role formers there actually are there? So the role forming market is really competitive. We have approximately 12 role formers in Fiji. We initially started off with five when I moved there five years ago. So we've rapidly seen a lot of them opening. We have another large one opening soon, actually. So we're not sure what that means for the market. Um, it is very competitive and very price driven. So we have to work really hard on like creating a brand image and getting our customers to know and believe in the product we sell. And can you tell us a bit about the um, role that you have and a bit about your company? Because it's one of the bigger role formers, isn't it? It is. It is. Definitely. We have the full, we have the complete package in terms of role forming. We do have um, other sister companies that we run that are in a similar industry. So I basically, I moved to Fiji five years ago and got thrown into the role of looking after everything. So I found it very challenging and I thought I was probably, I wasn't experienced enough to take that role on because I was very young, but I, I worked through each area slowly and then eventually I got there. And now I've moved into a more finance-based role where I have a lot more time to work on creativity projects. And um, I get to do a lot more things that I'm passionate about. And I really, I enjoy that aspect of the business a lot more than the day-to-day operations and running. And how common or uncommon is it for a woman to be in that kind of leadership role within Fiji? I think in the in the private sector, women are very underrepresented in leadership roles or senior roles. I do find um, a lot more women present in the public sector, and um, a lot of them in the in the banking industry. So I come across a lot of women who have senior roles there, but in the private sector, it's very underrepresented. In the area I'm in, I haven't met other women in my industry in leadership roles. Um, I've probably met a few in other industries, but it's still very, very rare to see. Mm. And you came into the role in in the company or the various roles within the company very young. What were some of the challenges that you had to overcome in that process? So I think the the first barrier I faced was the cultural difference, is that um, they were all our management or leadership roles were held by men. So I found that... um, because it's not culturally accepted in Fiji to to have women in leadership roles, they immediately had this block. So any any ideas I had, they they kind of responded that oh you're you're too young, 
or you're female or you don't understand or you don't have enough experience. So that was, I experienced that for probably the first 12 months where anything I wanted to initiate or put in place was immediately rejected or pushed back. And one of the things that I find really inspirational about you is that um, for every kind of weakness or perceived weakness that you had, you've really worked hard to correct it. So an example would be that you've actually come to New Zealand to do an accounting degree to um, become more over with the accounting process within the business. Can you tell us about um, what what drives you because you're so driven and you've achieved so much for someone who hasn't even yet turned 30? I think... Um Growing up, I went through a lot of experiences where I think people could have been a lot kinder and that wasn't the case. So I always thought I, there's things I want to achieve in terms of being able to give back for everything I've been fortunate enough to have. And I think a lot of the time because of the society we're in, a lot of the respect you're given or the time to be heard is given when you've achieved something in your career, um, or maybe like financially or status-wise, which is unfortunate, but I find that's how it works a lot in Fiji. So it's always been important for me to educate myself and be able to believe in myself that I can achieve things and I can like successfully achieve my goals I've set out. And then that gives me a platform to be able to give back and do the things I'm really passionate about which is, I think, what gets me out of bed every day and and to work in the morning. Yeah, I think it's one of those really unfortunate things. And I've definitely experienced that um, recently where suddenly having the title CEO, people treat you in a completely different way to how I was treated when I just had a manager job title. And it it doesn't seem fair for all those people who are um, probably doing just as significant and hard uh, work that just because they don't have that hierarchical title, they're not taken as seriously or they're not held in as high regard. Um, one of the things I really um, like about your leadership style is it's um, very values based. Can you tell us a bit more about that? So I like to I like to be ethical in the decisions I make. So I remember at. Um, university, everyone would always talk about this unit that was compulsory, which was business business ethics. And it was so boring and so tedious. And then I got to, I had all these expectations and I got to that class and I really enjoyed it. And I remember, I remember a lot of it because that's what taught me to always look at the impact I have and the consequences I have on all the decisions I make. And that's really molded me in terms of the leadership decisions I make is that I care about how a decision I make will impact those around me. And I think it comes back to I always feel like I'm very fortunate with the experiences I've had and that I try and help others around me get a better outcome out of my decisions. Mm. When I first met you, um, which was in Fiji and when I was working managing the Pacific Islands for New Zealand Steel, one of the things that struck me was you were living your values and uh, in the workplace. And um, an evidence of that was um, that you had your dog Faith with you at work. And I'm really intrigued and interested in um, leadership discussions, looking at 
um, authentic leadership, values-based leadership, and also unconventional leadership where you're actually bringing other aspects of your personality and your values into the workplace and bringing your whole self there. Um, And I know you've got several passions outside of work. Can you tell us about how you um, bring your whole self to work and how you uh, coexist within the two worlds of your private passions as well as your work ethics? Um, So I think it was was just doing... The little things. So I remember when I moved there, I um, I would dress very corporate to work. I mean, not that I think there's anything wrong with that. I just um, I would I was trying to fit this mold that I thought was expected of me, and then slowly as I grew more confident in the decisions I made, and I realized that caring about the impact I have is always far greater than anything else I could do that I started to make small changes. So like now I, I could go to work in like t-shirt and jeans and just throw on a blazer. And I feel like that's more my true self. So when someone's meeting me, they get to meet the way I am when I'm in my personal environment or work environment. And when I started to do little things like that, my personality started to come through and I felt more confident in in the decisions I made. So then bringing my dog to work sort of became the norm. Like people don't think that's like, hey, why is she bringing her dog to work? And um, because I trusted in that, a lot of a lot of that went through to our team. So for example, they are all really happy when Faith's around. If I don't take her into work, they'll be like, oh, why isn't she here today? So because I trusted that I could be unconventional and bring my passion to work, that's brought positive results to the workplace as well. Mm. And I think we need to see more of this, that um, there seems to be so much pressure. I don't know if it's um, the same for men, but certainly for women that I have this conversation with, to conform to this ideal in terms of what we wear, how we have our hair, um, you know, how we stand and how we project our voice, the comments that we make, um, the discussions that we have. Um, It all kind of moulds you into this um, stereotypical ideal of what leadership looks like, but then you lose yourself in that process. Um, how How did you go about getting the confidence to do that? And were there any critics along the way that, um, you know, might've put you off in that process? I think, um, it was it was definitely tough. Like I struggled a lot. Like there'd be times where I just wouldn't want to get out of bed or go to work because people's opinions and comments really started to get to me. And then you, I slowly started to think, okay, maybe I am doing the wrong the wrong thing, or maybe I should be dressed this way, or I should I should behave in a certain way. And I think it was just slowly stepping out of my comfort zone and just saying, okay, I'm going to try this and I'm not going to worry about what people think or say. And instead I will prove them wrong in terms of the results we get that if, you know, how I'm dressed or how I speak at work doesn't actually impact my bottom line in terms of profit and I think we I managed to do that and then eventually people started to see the numbers as opposed to how I presented myself and that just got me to then every time I had a positive outcome I became more confident in in doing so and then it just kept building on from there. 
Yeah, absolutely. And definitely the measure of performance and success should be the bottom line rather than what you're actually wearing or looking like. Um, And in terms of advice that you would give to male leaders on how they could better support women, what would you um, give as advice there? I think... um I've thought about this a lot. So I've um, I've worked with a lot of groups where we do women in leadership and women empowerment. And I found that what we liked was we didn't have any men involved in the process. And then I thought, okay, we're, we're preaching to the wrong crowd because we all understand how it is. We need men to better understand us. And I think... I think once again, it comes down to if we're looking at the business world is looking at the numbers, looking at our performance and treating us as equals. So not looking at us as as women, but looking at us as being humans and that there is really no difference because we are just as creative. We have just as much strength, just as much knowledge and we're educated and we do know what we're doing and we can prove it and we can provide results. And I think if they're open to our ideas and accepting us as equals, then a lot of our challenges will will disappear. Yeah, I think that um, that's definitely been something that um, I have had to struggle with as well, that um, the package that I come in doesn't um, look like I'm going to have the strength or resilience that Mm -hmm. I do have. Have people underestimated you in your career as well? I think they definitely have. A lot of, um, I think a comment that always gets to me is when people go to my um, father who whose business I work for and say, oh, it's very unfortunate you don't have a son or um, your daughter should get married so her husband can run the business. And that's that's something I've all, I've always struggled with. And it's just, it's trying to change the mindset. And that's why I've always had to just be very driven to prove that I can do it and that I can do almost everything that somebody else could do in their role or, and I deserve the role, not because I'm your daughter, but because I can actually provide results. So a lot of the times, like even when I would go work out, I did a lot of powerlifting and I thought, you know, I can do things a lot of men can't do. So there's just really, I don't see why there should be a difference between the two. Yeah, absolutely. Those comments are absolutely outrageous. So how, who has inspired you um, to be such a high performer? Because it's not just in your work life, um, in all of the volunteer work that you do, you're so impactful as well. Can you tell us about who's inspired you um, and how, how on earth does someone at 29 achieve everything that you have achieved? And um, how do you actually fit everything in your life in? So there's two questions there for you. <laughs> so I, I've thought about this a lot as to who inspires me in life. And I think I've, I don't think it's fair for me to say that one particular person has inspired me. And in fact, when I look back, so many people have inspired me. And I think that credit goes to everyone I meet every day. And it's also been with people who haven't been so kind or haven't been the nicest that have also inspired me to not be that way or to do better. And it's just, I've been so fortunate to meet so many wonderful people who come from so many different experiences and backgrounds that have 
taught me a lot and inspired me a lot to do different things. Like, for example, every time I meet you, I feel so inspired. And then I look at the, the say, the impact I have on the environment or what I can better do for my cause. So it's, I think it's safe to say that everyone I meet always has some form of inspiration they add to my life. And that's why I'm so excited that I get to be inspired every day by the amazing things people do. And what about the second part of the question? How do you fit everything in? It, it is definitely a, a struggle. So I think it just comes down to prioritizing my time. So I, um, I've always had this sort of um, difficulty, for example, with religion, because religion's been an important part of my family. And I'd go to church and I'd sit there and I'd be like, okay, I'm, I'm not doing good. And the reason why I follow a faith is because I want to be a better human. So I've learned that the time I give, I prioritize it through the week. So everything can't be of the same level of priority. And sometimes it's really hard for me to say no. And sometimes I find I'm attending three things at once or doing three or four things at once. So it's just, I've slowly started to learn that, you know, one thing's more important than the other. And I have everything scheduled in a diary to get everything done. I think you'd have to. And when we were speaking before the recording, you were telling me that you actually feel like you haven't achieved um, as much as you wanted to and you're getting worried because you're about to turn 30. How I really struggle with this and it seems to be a common theme. Um, How is it that someone who does achieve so much and on even a daily basis is achieving so much, why do you feel that you still haven't achieved enough? I think sometimes the the society expectations creep in a little bit. So I think um, like yesterday I was like, okay, am I ever going to get married? Am I ever going to have children? Um, am I going to be able to be financially free where if I want to? So for example, I've been wanting to have a, a farm for um, dogs to come and retire on and live their lives out on. And I think, okay, I should have had that farm by now. So I sort of, I sometimes let those things creep in and then I probably logically think it through or talk it through and then I realize, okay, it, it will all happen. I just have to be patient and not worry about a certain number or am I hitting like a certain age where it matters or it, it doesn't matter. Yeah, the expectations are still really high in, in all aspects of life, aren't they? You're supposed to be married by this time, have a Mm -hmm. child by this time, be at a certain level in your career at this time, have a dreamed your um, personal dreams by this time. And I'm still 45 and waiting to be able to have that animal rescue farm as well. (laughs) Um, In terms of um, remaining an authentic leader, how do you resist that pressure to become more of a social norm of leadership? I think what I've found is that the people I surround myself with are very important. So I've been very selective recently with who I spend my social time with. Is Am I spending it with people who are accepting of me the way I am, uh, open to my ideas? Are we having discussions that are not about people but about ideas and the way we can make change? And having that 
I think I've created a nice little network for myself in Fiji and having people like that around me gives me the confidence that I can continue to be myself and that if I do eventually people will be more and more on board with having more authentic leaders as opposed to what they traditionally expect leaders to be. Mm. Do you have any um, tools that you use to overcome challenges? Anything, any kind of tips you can share? I think um, the most valuable advice that I've been given or that I've learned along the way is that opinions are just that. They're people's opinions. They don't, doesn't make it factual. And I used to be someone who let opinions really get to me. And once I realized, which I just found recently, was that if I don't worry about someone's opinion, then I'm not seeking validation from somebody else and that I can prove and believe in myself and what I can do and what I can achieve. And I think it is, it's easier said than done, but if we work a little bit every day to, to have enough self-faith and not worry about somebody else telling me, oh, you're doing a good job or, hey, this decision you made is really good or really bad, then you become more confident in the choices you make. Mm. I've got a great hope that if there's enough people out there being authentic leaders and bringing their whole selves to work, that suddenly we will become the norm and the stereotypical leadership model will become unusual. Um, Fingers crossed. What are some of the broader issues that you see are facing women in leadership at the moment? Um, One of the ones I find important is that a lot of the time as women, we feel we should be grateful for having a role or being given the opportunity and that we things, a lot of things like, for example, maternity leave is should we, should we ask for it? Like, should we should we have a role or should we resign and go have a family and then come back? And we're we're almost walking on eggshells around these issues. And I think we need to we need to be confident that we deserve these benefits and then we are entitled to make our own life decisions and that shouldn't impact our careers or the workplace and that we do deserve more and we should ask for it as opposed to feeling that okay, we're grateful we have a role. Let's not ask for the next promotion or let's not ask for the for the pay rise. I think that's an issue that we need to really work on so that we're more confident in getting what we want. And my last question is, what advice would you give to women out there who are future leaders? I think, again, is to have confidence in yourself and not worry about seeking validation from somebody else, is to know to know your self-worth and know what you're capable of and the numbers and your actions and the results will always prove that. And I think if you if you can sort of let start to let go of the opinions will be it'll be much easier in being authentic and being able to be yourself. Mm, and that will make you a happier leader as yes. well. <laughs> Definitely. So there you go. Thanks for joining our conversation with Renita today. If you'd like to connect more with her, you can find her details in the show notes. As a strong advocate for diversity, I think it's important that our members hear conversations like this so they can get comfortable with the reality. As a founding member of the Diversity Agenda, HERA's goal is 20% more women in engineering by 2021. It's a target that all organisations should commit to and measure up against. 
if we want to secure our future and work towards addressing the looming skills gap we're facing. Food for thought till we meet next time. So hit subscribe, and if you liked what you heard today, please like, review or share with any metalheads you know. Let's spread the word. We hope you enjoyed our conversation today. We've actually had the privilege to share the stories of many wahine in engineering across Aotearoa as part of our celebration of International Women in Engineering Day on 22nd of June. Details are in the show notes if you'd like to check it out.